Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. My name is Robert Winfrey, and I, per usual, am your host. Should be a relatively straightforward and probably shorter episode this week. We have a UFC card to preview, but no review. There was no UFC event last week. Uh, so instead, I will talk a little bit about uh, one championship. They had their first uh, event on Amazon. There should be Amazon Prime. So I'll talk a little bit about that. A uh, little bit. I don't talk a whole lot about one or Bellator. I do when like some of the bigger stuff comes up because I just I know I know you guys. I know the audience. Uh, so I don't I don't t- talk a whole lot about them. I watch. You know, they've got good fights on occasion. You just I have to curate my involvement with some of those uh, some of those promotions more than I do the UFC. I mean at this point. I would curate a lot of my UFC consumption were the option available to me. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff the UFC puts out that I don't watch as it is. I mean, I don't watch Tough. I don't even really watch the Contender series, which, uh, I mean, I could, but I I can sound weird, but like borderline of ethical issues with the Contender series. Uh... I, I, I just, again, to kind of like maintain my enjoyment and whatnot, I just I have to curate how much of the stuff I consume. And I don't watch every one event. I don't watch every Bellator event. I watch their bigger stuff. At, uh, as far as events go, bigger events. And there are certainly individual fights I look up. And for one's debut on Amazon, I do want to talk a little bit about that. Then, not a whole lot of news this last week. It's been pretty quiet. So I'll fill it up however I can. I have a couple, I have a few smaller things to talk about, so we can do that. But that's kind of the general idea of what's going to happen tonight, or whenever you happen to be listening to this. I'm recording it later in the evening. So before we get any further, please interact with the product a little bit. Like, comment, subscribe, star rating, written review. If you've done any and all of that, please share. Let other people know you listen to the show. Helps out tremendously. As always, I thank you a lot. All right. Let's get into the preview. UFC is making their debut in France. France only legalized MMA... Oh, what? In 2020? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they technically legalized it in 2020. So, UFC's debut in that particular country. They've been angling for it for a while. I think Bellator had their French debut in the Czech Congo lost. Just funny. And they're bringing a card that is got a few good fights and then it's a lot of the european contingent but let's let's get into the main event the main event's pretty again there's a few good fights here main event good uh heavyweight fight former interim champion and i believe currently ranked number one contender could be wrong about that uh cyril gan the frenchman himself will be fighting tied to ivasa who's coming off of a he's been up and down in the ufc uh, more ups than downs is a general rule, but he's on a pretty good winning streak. What, five? Yeah, they're all finishes. He's coming off of that big knockout over Derek Lewis. Uh, I think a lot higher of Gone than I do of Tuivasa on a technical level. I mean, for those of you who may remember, I actually scored um, Gone versus Nganu for a serial Gone. I thought he won the fifth. Now that said, I'm not up. I was not up in arms over that. Three to two, 48-47, either guy. P- 
perfectly acceptable, perfectly defensible. First two for Gon, three and four for Nganu, and the fifth swings the fight. So I, I was never, like, annoyed by that. I didn't think Gon got screwed, but I did score it for him. Um, that said, again, you could very easily argue Nganu, and I... I don't think that... Uh, say this. I don't think it was wrong that Nganu won. And... Frankly, if you were scoring the fight as a whole rather than round by round. What I scored if we're scoring the fight as a whole. I think scoring the fight as a whole, it's probably a little bit easier to give it to Nganu. As I sit here thinking about it. But uh, he's still very, very good. He's a big guy, but he's light on his feet. He's fast. Very technical. Can fight for five rounds. Good kicks. Good at poke. Uh, good clinch work. Like, Gon is just very, very hard to beat. You know, it took a significant effort from Nganu to pull it off. And, I mean, to Nganu's credit, with his knee injuries and whatnot, to do what he did is... It's, why ch it's what champions are made of. Uh, I don't mean... I mean that pretty literally. So this is Gon's first fight since that loss. Uh, which was January of this year. So he's making a decent turnaround. What? Seems like a longer time ago than that, doesn't it? Uh, anyway, I'm I'm picking Gon here. I don't know how Tuivasa is going to do over five. I think that's a pretty big... Has he ever been five? No, I don't even think he's ever even been scheduled for five. Uh, not in the UFC, he hasn't. I'd have to... Double-check some of his more regional stuff, but I doubt he was headlining any of those. Um, I take that back. He was headlining a few of the AFC events. Um, does not look like they were five-round fights, though. I mean, none of them went anywhere close to this, but it doesn't look like they were title fights. They were. So he's been scheduled for five a few different times, just uh, in the first six fights. His, the first six fights of his career, two of them were uh, two of them were title fights. So I don't know. I I question a little bit how much, and this is not just this is like this is not a knock on Tuivasa. Anyone winning belts on the regional level that early in their career, I do question, you know, whether or not you're actually properly conditioned for five rounds. And he hasn't been, again, he hasn't been close to five rounds since. He's been three, he, been, he went the distance against Blagoy Ivanov. And went the distance against Andrei Arlovsky. So he's had two three-round fights go the distance in the UFC. He had a lot of UFC fights. Whereas, you know, we've seen gone multiple times fight deep fight well deep into a fight so i feel okay picking gone here that said you know this is heavyweight two of us is a wild man and sometimes that's what you need look if you try to go technique for technique against a superior technician you will lose that's why you have to be able to flip the switch and make things ugly make them a little bit grimy you know take the technician away from having to compete technically and make them fight and that's what Tuivasa is going to have to try and do here. Uh, the ground game could be interesting. Tuivasa doesn't do a whole lot there. In fact, um, who was it that had a lot of success against him on the ground? 
Um, I mean, that's fights that he lost. But he had he gave up some position against guys and then was able to kind of gut his way through it. I think Lewis had him in some weird spots. Um, so, and Gon's not bad on the ground. You know, he didn't get bombed. Uh, and Gon was able to get him down and kind of maintain control, but he didn't really bomb on him or anything like that. Um, so, I feel pretty comfortable picking Gon. But it's heavyweights, it's wild, Tuivas is a wild fighter, uh, this is not a lock, not even, not anywhere close to a lock. It's not even the MMA equivalent of a lock. It's a favor gone, and I feel comfortable favoring gone, but Tuivas is, he's not just a wild man, you know, he, he puts in the work, he's got ability. I think this is a bad matchup for him stylistically more than anything because Gon will not engage him in the kind of brawl that he tends to want to have to really succeed. But if Tuivasa wins, it would be the biggest win of his career by a mile and would put him somewhere in the title picture. You know, Gon's trying to defend his spot and potentially angle for some kind of a title fight. And we still don't know what's up with Francis Ngannou. And we won't know until, I think, early 21 is when we're going to figure out exactly what's up with him. But until then, we're just, uh, we're kind of in limbo. We're kind of in limbo here, but it's uh, good. Good fight. I like Gon's chances. Uh, solid fight for heavyweights. Hopefully it holds up. I, I, Gon's one of the few heavyweights I really kind of, whose work I really appreciate. Co-main event, middleweight. Robert Whitaker, Bobby Knuckles himself, taking on Marvin Vittori. Big step up for old Marvin. Um, Vittori, coming off a win, that win over Costa that was technically at light heavyweight. Um, it's a weird fight, too. Before that, he lost to Adesanya. Good winning streak going before that. I mean, Vittori's not a guy who kind of blows you away with his skills unless you... Even if you really pay attention, he doesn't... Again, he doesn't blow you away. But he's really hard to beat. He's aggressive. He's willing to seek out the fight. He's got a good chin. Costa, Costa bombed on him in their fight, and Vittori just kind of took it. He's got decent power. He's got good control. Uh, you know, some good wrestling. That's what he, that's what he's turned into. I mean, there's not a lot. Ultimately, there's not a lot of people I pick to beat Robert Whitaker at this point. Like, I need pretty concrete evidence to pick against Bobby Knuckles. I mean, there's a real argument that Whitaker beat Adesanya in their last fight. I not, I don't agree to it. I, I don't agree with it. I scored that for Adesanya. I feel pretty comfortable with that. But I'd be lying if I said there wasn't an argument for Whitaker. Um, I don't find, like I said, I don't find it compelling. But it exists, and he is, he, again, he is no, at the minute, I don't think he's any worse than the second best middleweight in the UFC. Uh, so I'm I'm picking Whitaker here. I he said his only middleweight losses. He's only lost at middleweight to Israel Adesanya. That's it. Uh, his other losses earlier in his career were at what welterweight? Yeah. So I I feel okay picking him here, but this one could be an interesting fight. This could be a bit of a gunfight, or it could be a lot of clinch fighting. 
a lot of clinch wrestling. Um, but Whitaker, one of the more well-rounded fighters in the sport, very dangerous, heavy hands, solid kicks. You know, he's a good wrestling in his own right. Um, Vittori just kind of on paper seems like he's a step or two below Whitaker in all of the individual component pieces. Now, it doesn't mean he can't win. It does mean that picking, you know, I don't have a lot of reservations about picking Whitaker here. Um, let's see, elsewhere on the main card, um, Alessio Dikirico will face Roman Kopilov. That's not terrible. Um, I kind of like Kopilov there. But, uh, is it Dikirico or Dikirico? I think it's Dikirico. Um, I've heard that. I believe that's how he prefers it pronounced. So I'm going to, that's my memory going with that. I'm going to go with that. Um, kind of like Kopilov there. Um, Dicky Rico's, he's not a, again, not a bad fighter at all, but he's on a rough streak. I mean, he's one in th- four in his last five. I mean, his one, his win was good. He had kicked Joaquin Buckley, but he got head kicked his next fight. Um, so yeah, picking Kopilov there. See, lightweights, John McDessie and Nasrat Hakparas. John McDessie's still around. Jeez. How long is that guy? That guy's been in the UFC for a long time. Yeah, since 2010. Um, he came in... Ah, oh, jeez. He wa- No, he wasn't part of a uh, season of The Ultimate Fighter, but... Yeah, he's been he's been there for a while. He's had long periods of inactivity... Uh, which is, kind of, uh, but yeah, the majority of his fights have been in the UFC. His his eighth professional fight was in the UFC. Um, on a decent enough run over his last few fights. I mean, one and four in your last, uh, four and one rather, sorry, four and one in your last five is not bad. That was a loss to Trinaldo, but the problem is that was like one, yeah, it was one fight in 2017, one in 18, one in 19, one in 20, one in 21. We're just up to... He, he lost fight in April of 21. So... He shows up on it, but, you know, Hack Press has been a lot busier. He's, he's not in the best spot either. Now, his two-fight losing streak is somewhat mitigated by fighting Dan Hooker and Bobby Green. Like, you're, you're fighting... Those are tough guys. I think he's better than McDessie. I... I am I feel like leaning Hawk Perost here, but he's got to find a little bit of consistency. Uh, so, a somewhat important fight for him, actually. If he drops three in a row, the third being, you know, the John McDessie's semi-annual appearance. I shouldn't say semi-annual. That's half-year. Occasional appearance. Um, that would not be a good indicator for him. And kicking off the main card as it currently stands, good fight here. Um, Charles Jordan and Nathaniel Wood. Uh, this is at featherweight. Wood moved up to featherweight in his last fight, and he looked really good against Charles Rosa. He beat the crap out of him. Uh, I mean, he was a good bantamweight, but uh, for whatever reason, you know, moving up seems to have done him a world of good. He took all of 2021 off. Um, and Jordan is a pretty big featherweight. Coming off of majority decision loss to Shane Burgos, that was a good fight. Um, yeah, this is a really good fight. I'm going to lean towards Wood here, believe it or not. I think he's more well-rounded. 
Um, and I think Jord he I think he's going to lure Jordan into being a bit too comfortable on the feet and then force things into the clinch or the mat. But that's a good fight. Uh, circle that one if you haven't already. Uh, Wooden Jordan, good fight. That's what we have currently have for the main card. Now for the rest of these, I don't think we have a we have an official bout order for several of these. So I'm going to go down the list that I have here, and just, if they're in a different order, I apologize. This is what I got. At lightweight, we have Benoit Saint Denis and Gabriel Miranda. Uh, seems like a bit of a setup for Saint Denis, so gonna pick there. Middleweights: Nasruddin Imavov, excuse me, and Joaquin Buckley. You know, that's not a bad fight. I mean, it might just be awkward as heck and not very interesting, but there's some potential there. Um. I mean, Buckley, of course, has a lot of physical ability. He's not a three-fight winning streak. Coming off that stoppage over Albert Durayev, where the doctor had... His, uh, Durayev's eye was just shut. Um, Imavov... He is 3-1 and one in the... He only lost... was a, His only loss in the UFC was a majority decision to Phil Haas. He's finished his last two opponents. I kind of like Imavov here, but he's... um. See the Rus he's a Russian guy who reps France. Or he was uh, like his parents are Russian. Um but he was born in France, I believe. Something like that. Um either way, he's I, I believe he reps France uh, with the flag and whatnot that he has. I forget exactly. I uh, he trains there, so either way, you know, enough enough of a kind of uh local or national uh, tie in there. Um, but I, I'm going to lean towards Imovov, but that's not a bad fight. All right, rest of these. Middleweight, Dustin Stoltzfus and Absupian Magomedov. Absupian? I'm going to go with that until I hear that's properly pronounced. Um, look, Stoltzfus is 1-3 in, in the UFC, coming off of his first win. He beat Dwight Grant. Seems like a seems like a bit of a setup for Magomedov. Lightweight Faris Ziam and Mikhail Filglak. Um, this is a setup for Ziam, who is a French guy. Um, yeah, they're, they're setting him up there a little bit. Uh, featherweight Ricardo Hamos and Danny Henry. Yeah, that fight doesn't suck. Um, Henry's two and two in the UFC on a two-fight losing streak. He's been out of action though for a while. He last fought in July of 2020. Uh, so that's unfortunate, because he's not bad. And then you've got Hamos, who is coming off of a spinning back elbow knockout that was his second. Uh, he's been up and down, but always good for a fight. Come, given the layoff, I'm going to pick Hamos there, but Henry might he might surprise some people. Let's see, we have Khalid Taha. This is Bantamweight. Khalid Taha and Christian Quinones. Uh Probably Taha. Featherweights, William Gomi and Jarno Ahrens. Um, probably Gomi. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know enough about either guy to really make a pick there. And a women's featherweight bout, Stephanie Egger and Alan Perez. Uh, this is a feels like a bit of a setup for Egger, who is Swiss, yes? Uh, which is I mean, close enough to be part of... I mean... Uh, I'm sure she will have, you know, people there coming from Switzerland. Uh, so I'm going to go with Egger there. I mean, Switzerland and France, I mean, they're adjacent, and it's not it's not that far. 
I got reacquainted with the old joke earlier this week about you know, Americans thinking 100 years is a long period of time, whereas Europeans think 100 miles is a long ways. Uh, which is true. You know, uh, Americans have a different perspective on history than a lot of other places, which is weird because we shouldn't. Like, human history is human history, but, you know, fair enough. It's an observable phenomenon. And, yeah, um... This is something again. This is something that I was that I was made a bit clearer to me recently. You know how how many Europeans don't understand you know how big the U.S. is. You know, 100 miles is. I mean, I'm not saying it's no distance, but I uh, when my dad lived in the state, it was about 100 miles round trip to go see him. Again, round trip, so forward and backward. About yeah, about it was about that. That's within my state. You know, it's just. About an hour up and about an hour back. Uh, but, I mean, I've driven to Vegas. You know, it, it just for perspective, for anyone who may not necessarily be aware of this, the entire Western theater of war for World War II, um, if not more than that, I'd have to double-check this, but I know at least the Western theater, um, that fits easily within the state of Texas. Like, easily. Um, d because of how far east the Germans pushed, I don't think we can, like, all of Europe does not fit in Texas. That, of course not. But a giant chunk of the European theater of war. I, I, I can't say, like, a, a, not all of it, but a giant chunk of the European theater of war does fit into Texas. Because th that's just the space we're dealing with. So, you know, somebody, I, I had this experience actually on the east coast when I was there for a little bit. Um, I was in, I was in Boston, right around Boston. Um, I think we were in Worcester, technically. Uh, I forget, ex I forget the specific city, but, uh, was there for works, so were there for a few weeks. Went out to buy food, and it turns out, like, uh, the nearest Sam's Club was actually in, I think it was New Hampshire. <laughs> uh, it was, it was another state. And that got me a little bit, but, it, I mean, it wasn't far. It was like 20 minutes drive. Just, things are more compact back there, especially various state lines. It's not a big deal to go over and get something. And a lot of, some European countries are a bit more compacted, like parts of the East Coast of the United States. So traveling across countries like that, it, it's still, you know, free travel within the EU and whatnot was kind of a big deal for them to get past. And I'm not here, I'm not qualified to speak in depth on the EU, but People coming from Switzerland to be part of the to observe this event. If you've got a a, you know, a Swiss fighter like Stephanie Egger, they there will be some. I'm sure she will have you know friends, fans, and family there to support her. So that's the card as it currently stands. It will be coming our way September 3rd. Let me see if I get a start time here. Um. Yeah, we're having an earlier start time, actually. The prelims look like they're going to begin at noon Eastern. Uh, it's 10 a.m. That, sh that should be adjusting for it my time. And the main card starting at, again, 1 p.m. my time, so about 3 p.m. Eastern. So earlier, more, earlier, earlier card earlier card than usual. They're going a bit more prime time in France for this one. So, keep
keep that in mind. If you're going to watch, I will be covering it in the MMAZone411mania.com, so please do stop by, say hello. I always appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, alrighty, let's let's take a quick look at uh, the one championship's debut on Amazon. This would be... How do they number this? Uh, let me double check that. Let me double check how they... I think they just called it... Yeah, one on Prime Video one, okay. Or, yeah, weird. But pick a naming convention and stick with it, people. It shouldn't be that hard. Um, so, let, let's talk about a couple of good, bad, and otherwise. Before we get into the event. Like, I'm not going to go event by... I'm not going to go fight by fight. I... Um, it's not that interesting, a lot of it, but uh, a couple of things. First of all, the Amazon Prime, the Prime Video uh, user interface is not great. Amazon search function and the way they organize stuff, especially video related, really not the best. Uh, it's, it's not great. Um... You'll get, like, individual seasons of stuff listed instead of just one show... That you can then like sub-click to to find different seasons because of how they're listed. Um, it's not again, it's not the easiest to navigate if you can't just click on it from whatever the home screen is. It it's kind of a pain. It it's not the worst. It's not the worst. I mean, like Peacock sucks. Um, Paramount Pluses isn't great. So it like. It's not as kind of smooth and easy to use as others. I mean, HBO Max, I actually like HBO Max's UI. I think it works pretty well. I mean, Netflix is still probably near the top of the, like, the, you know, the gold standard. Um, Disney Plus has issues, but I mean, that's still not... So Amazon Prime, again, it's just, the UI takes a bit of getting used to at a bare minimum. Uh, that said, the stream was... Uh, there were no major technical issues in Amazon's, you know, their video content, their player quality and whatnot, how that, and that stuff, like, that's fine. That, that's really, that's really good. No issues on the technical side there, just some UI issues. I mean, I've used Amazon, I've used Prime Video for a while, so this is just my, ex my excuse to kind of talk about it. Um, the lead into this fight was absolutely, like, one of the things about, a few of the things about one and Bellator 2, to, in very different ways, let me qualify what I'm about to say, very different ways. But you have to accept a giant portion of what they do as just like satire or comedy. I mean, you can't take it seriously. You know, the way that they, the way that one is very guilty of hyping themselves up. And in ways that just don't make sense. That, you know, we all know are bold. And they try to play it straight, but again, you like you as a viewer, you have to understand like, no, this is comedy. Um, you know, Bellator with some of the matchmaking they do, like you just have to understand it's a, a little bit comedic. Well, one claiming that they solved weight cutting has become more and more comical the longer they like. They made that joke, like when we fixed weight cutting. First of all, every weight class is not going to be what it's listed; it's going to be the next one up. So. Uh, one's flyweight division fights at 135 pounds. Could just call it bantamweight, but no, because we don't like weight cutting. 
so we're going to call it. You didn't solve anything there, buddy. You, you're just needlessly muddying the issue. Just needlessly. Um, then, you know, they, well, we've got these um, hydration tests. Like, okay, how do those work? Well, they work. Okay, can you show us how they work? No. Can you tell us how they work? No. It's, I mean, most of us, like, your analysis. Like, it, it's not even all that useful. Um, again, you, you have to accept that it's comedic and more than a little, and probably more than a little bit corrupt. So when we got to this event, um, we had two fighters miss weight. We had, um, I think it was four fighters who made weight, but failed the hydration test. And then there were two others who, what was the, what was the thing they said? Could not provide a sample. And if you're if, if we're dealing with hydration like the way that the, the way they've intimated this is that you know, it's like urine weight analysis and whatnot like crap like that which it, i'm not saying that has no value but if someone can't provide a sample if they're too hydrated if they're literally like too hydrated to pee um <laughs> but no were there any problems around this no no there were not like the people who missed weight they just kind of Got to have fights at catchweight. Anyone who had hydration... I mean, Mar I, the champion, Adriano Marais, uh, failed his hydration thing. So, like, two hours later, they retest... Like, some bollocks about, like, we'll retest you too. Like, it's, it's just... You have to appreciate the comedy. Or you'll go... Oh, you'll pull your hair out. Like, those are your options. You go nuts trying to take this seriously, or you accept that it's a big joke. Um... And again, this is an administrative thing, not a fighter thing necessarily, so wanted to say that. Now, as for the fights themselves, I kind of got to cherry, I kind of got to cherry pick this on on Saturday. So uh, the main event, which I did watch, uh, Demetrius Johnson, the former UFC flyweight champion, longtime flyweight champion, uh, won a Grand Prix for them, but he was not his last, not his last fight, because his last event, uh, he fought a mixed rules fight with. Uh, Muay Thai legend Rod Tang. Um, this, that was like first round Muay Thai, second round MMA, and they were going to kind of go back and forth. Uh, but this was his most recent MMA fight. Uh, the last time he fought Marais, Marais knocked him out with that knee when uh, Johnson was on the ground, which is legal because they use, what do they call them? They're not the unified MMA, like the unified was like the global rules or something like that. Um, look, I'll say this about one. I think they have a better rule set. I think being able to kick and knee the head of a downed opponent, it should be fair. I kind of prefer... I, I kind of prefer fighter uh, the fights being scored as a whole rather than round by round as well. Um, does Not perfect. Doesn't fix things necessarily. But I think it's probably a better fit for MMA than round by round the way we currently do it. Just my hunch. Um... So, one, yeah, one uses the superior rule set from, to my to my mind. So anyway, main event: Demetrius Johnson defeats Marais via knockout in the fourth round, 350. Landed a really nice right hand. He started southpaw, little faint, uh, brought his left knee up again, kind of fainting a kick. Steps through into orthodox, ducks a left hook from Marais, right hand over the top, wobbles him, backs him into the fence, flying knee, uh, done. Uh, Demetrius Johnson out here at, you know, my age, more or less, like, he's 35, still, 
you know, turning in efforts like this. This was a, uh, That's just the finish. The fight itself was pretty darn good. Um, who did I have winning it going into the fourth? Because, like, the way I processed this, like, I, I thought about this, like, I'm watching this. You know, if I were covering this, what would I do? I think between each round, I would just put, who do I think is winning the fight to this point? And because we score the fight as a whole rather than who wins the round. So I just, I would probably update, like, who do I think is winning? Um, I thought Johnson was winning after the first. Marais was winning after the second. He hit a kind of a glancing head kick that wobbled Johnson. Landed some brutal knees. Um, knees on the ground, too, which, again, I, you love to see it. Uh, I thought Johnson might, again, if I was scoring the third round individually, would have gone to Johnson. I'm not sure he did enough to completely overtake Marais as far as who's winning the fight in that round, but he did good work in the third. So, coming into the fourth, you could argue either guy is winning the fight. Um, fourth round, back and forth, but Johnson's pressure seemed to get to Marais a little bit the longer this went on. Um... The stance switching was giving him some problems, and Marais dumped a lot of energy into the second round, so might have been a little bit of uh, fatigue as well setting in. Either way, gr beautiful finish from Demetrius Johnson. Wins the title. Uh, and I have, I've beaten the drum for Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson for years on this show, so my respect for him and what he does. Yeah, very well established. And, and a good fight. Like we could eat, We should probably get a trilogy out of this. You know, they're one apiece now. Uh, would love to see a third fight. Uh, there, we had some Muay Thai fights. Uh, you know, for the record, Muay Thai in four-ounce gloves kind of rocks. Like, that legitimately rocks. Um, there was a title fight for their bantamweight title. Um, champion and kind of general legend of Muay Thai, Nong Oh defeated Liam Harrison with leg kicks uh, in the first round. Doesn't take many from someone who really throws them. It really doesn't. He had a couple of really gnarly ones, like right on the outside of the knee, like just a little bit below it. And he finally dropped Harrison with a leg kick, and Harrison's leg was just, it was done. And you can actually see it twitch a little bit as he's sitting there, and he knows he's done too. Like, he can't stand. So, uh, that was fun. The knockout to Panpayak and uh, Sava Michael. Brutal head kick in the second round. Uh, nice win for Panpayak. The jiu-jitsu legend, uh, Bouchesha, Marcus Almeida, got his mo got another win in MMA. He hit a really nice heel hook on Kirill Grishenko. Um, he shot a he had a really nice calf kick to start the fight. Just kind of dropped uh, Grishenko. Grishenko got back up. Not a whole lot. Then he shoots a double leg. Gets off balanced on his knees. Kind of. Just pulls Grishenko over, not directly on top of him, like pulling guard, but um, Bouchesha is falling to his left, and he just off-balances Grishenko to make him fall a little bit further forward on that same side. Inverts, grabs the leg, heel hook, done. Um, what's his record in MMA now? I mean, look, he's one of the best, you know, jujitsu guys to ever do it. You know, his list of jiu-jitsu accolades at the IBJJFs, uh, you know, so it would be like the Bunjials, ADCC, in the gi, out of the gi. You know, his his accomplishments as both the heavyweight and in the absolute division, like it's, it's longer than my arm. It's enormous. You know, he is a, a again, one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners of his generation. Um, 
since coming to, and again, not undefeated, but his final, what's his record as far as we know? Uh, yeah, according to Wiki, so grand assault, but his grappling record when he retired off of a loss, to, a points loss to Gordon Ryan at ADCC, uh, that would have been in the absolute division. That was in 2019. Uh, 128-13-1. So, yeah, again, one of the very best. Uh, of his, again, certainly of his generation, he's... Uh, again, really good. So really good. Lights out jujitsu and an athlete. Uh, yeah, again, just a, a superb athlete to go along with that. And that that's something a lot of jujitsu guys don't have. Is I don't mean to imply that jujitsu is not an athletic endeavor, but if you look at like guys with their athletic ability, there's not a lot of them certainly have the kind of athletic movement and whatnot that uh, you know, Boucher does. And he's not alone in this respect. Plenty of other people do as well. But uh, but you look at his jiu-jitsu career, that was one of the things that separated him was he was such a good athlete. Anyway, he debuted in MMA 4-1 back in, uh, in last year, actually. And undefeated since then, he's... I don't know what the future holds for him. You know, he's not a young guy. He's 32, actually, so he's not old. But he's been competing for a long time. So I don't know exactly where he's going, but this was a really nice submission, so if you get the chance, look that up. Uh, was there anything else on this I wanted to talk about? Not really. Um... Yeah, not really. I mean, there's some other decent stuff there. Um, you had Super, uh, you had Superlek, who defeated, uh, who will fight, he'll fight uh, Ponpayak. Because uh, I believe that was, yeah, that was the, that was the flyweight Grand Prix semi semifinals. They're both on this card. Um, that'll be a good fight. Again, Muay Thai and four, like one's MMA stuff is a little bit hit or miss, but. One for a very specific like set of weight classes have really good kickboxing and Muay Thai, like really good guys. So yeah, uh, so again, Ponpayak and Superlek, that'll be a uh, that'll be a heck of a fight. So yeah, that was one's debut on Amazon. Uh, you can find again, it's on Amazon Prime. So if you have that service, you can go look up some of the fights if you're interested. Not a bad debut. You know, they're still trying to get kind of a foothold in the U.S. market, and the flexibility to do stuff with some with a streaming service like Prime Video might be a better fit for them than trying to put stuff on. They were on TNT briefly, and that that just did not work. So, uh, I, I, much as I kind of meme on one and the administrative side of things and whatnot. I'm not rooting for them to go under. You know, I, there are fighters there that are getting paid, and I hope that they continue to do so. You know, I'm not I'm not rooting for their failure, but some of the stuff they do, like you just kind of have to accept the comedy. So yeah, then that you can find that on Amazon Prime if you're so interested. Um, all right, the last thing I have here as far as news. Uh, if this goes short, then 
I'll double, I mean, I'm going to double check Twitter anyway, but uh, a little bit of news got made. Uh, Marab Dwalis really had an interview and mentioned that Aldo, after he beat Jose Aldo, they shared that genuinely really nice moment between the two of them. He said that Aldo mentioned he was going to retire in that. Um, uh, Aldo, and I, I think Aldo's team has pushed back a little bit against that one since that broke. Uh, here's my thought on this. We all know that Aldo, like, he can't do this forever, and he's it's going to come to an end probably sooner rather than later. But I... Those two guys trying to talk to each other, and I don't mean this... Like I said, this was a genuinely beautiful moment, and I'm not trying to dump on it. I mean, what you're trying to take away from that is, one, you got a very emotional guy. They're both very emotional in that moment, so... Things are going to be said that are not necessarily fully considered. Secondly, you've got two guys who are not native English speakers having to communicate in English. You know, English is not Marab's first language. Um, his English is not bad. I don't mean to imply that he's not... He's certainly conversant, um, not, if not borderline fluent. I mean, he's lived in the States for a while now, so he can speak English you know, okay. And you got Aldo, who... Not a, not a native English speaker. Uh, what he has picked up, he's just kind of picked up, I think. You know, he's he's just more comfortable speaking his native language, Portuguese. So you get two guys trying to communicate in their second language, more or less. Uh, it's not at all impossible that Aldo expressed that, you know, I know I'm coming, that he knows he's coming towards the end, and Marab kind of misread that, or, or he said something different and Marab just kind of misinterpreted. Who knows? Who knows? Um... I'm waiting for anything official on that, but um, I don't know. I, I, guess I said it when I reviewed that fight you know, last week. I, I don't know how much longer we're going to have Jose Aldo and the sport, so keep an eye on that. But we'll so we'll we'll keep an eye on that. I mean, when Aldo does hang him up, like I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna give the guy a glowing retrospective on his career from here because of course I am. Uh, all right, that's everything I've got written down. Be out of here in under an hour. So let me check Twitter, see if anything MMA related has kind of broken. If not, we will do plugs and we will be out of here. Alright, I don't see anything new, so plugs. Um, this week, my usual spate of professional wrestling coverage. That's AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday. Theoretically, MLW on Thursday. I think they're coming back next month, though, so probably nothing this Thursday, but keep an eye out. WWE SmackDown on Friday. This is a pre-taped one. They taped it when they did the when uh, this last Friday. Um, because their next pay-per-view event is Saturday morning. Uh, they're in a, they're at a castle in Wales. And it's not really reasonable to expect someone to perform at primetime Friday, then get on a plane to the UK and try to, like, the, the timing just doesn't work out. So they taped that one in advance. I'll be recovering it on Friday. So I'll see you then. If any of that is interesting to you. And of course the UFC event on Saturday. So that will be in the MMA and wrestling zones of 411mania.com. If you're interested in other podcasts I do. I am the host of Damn You Hollywood. Which is a movie review podcast. This week. Myself, Mark Radulich, and Pat Mullen. Will be talking about the recently released on Prime video. Sort of. Su it's a superhero movie. Uh, Samaritan. Starring Sylvester Stallone. And what a giant throwback that movie is in so many ways. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk all about it. 
So if you're interested, please do tune in. That should be a good one. Uh, thank you in advance for any of the support you can give to that program. All right. We'll be back here next week to review UFC on ESPN Plus 67. And we will be previewing UFC 279, which is still a behemoth at 15-some-odd fights. Still headlined by Hamzat Shemaev and Nate Diaz. They still have 15. Hang on. I'm going to count this. Because... No. One, two, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, sixteen. Fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Why? Just don't do this. Ugh. You know, I I thought about it for a little bit, and our co-main event for that is Tony Ferguson and Lijing Leong at welterweight. I'm pretty sure Tony's here as a backup. Um, and you know what? Tony Ferguson and Nate Diaz is a fight that a lot of us have thought about. Um, sadly, Shemaya would have to pull out, but it's it's not a bad replacement to have to have Ferguson potentially stepping in. I mean, I would like his chances against Nate. I don't like his chances against Shemayev. I think the size disparity is just way too great. But who knows? Tony's a madman, and he's a very, very, very good fighter. So we'll be giving a full preview of that event next week. All right, until then, I am Robert Winfrey, as always, thanking you very, very much for listening. As usual, stay safe out there and continue to be well, be safe, and behave.